Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, tribe, powerful leaders of legacy. You know, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And why I do these solos is to really, you know, get your mind filled with information that takes you higher in who you are so that you are not a victim to the circumstances that are being played out against humanity on planet Earth. Now, I know a lot of you in the world are like, what is going on? What's going to happen? So I'm going to tell you, what's going to happen is what you decide that happens. 
how you choose to react and how you choose to experience this world from your intellect and your emotional standpoint. You have a choice to make a decision for yourself to either be a part of the chaos and the craziness that is taking place on the earth or you can choose to activate yourself in your spiritual essence and continue to move into fifth dimensional consciousness by relinquishing and letting go of your attachments, your labels, your rules, your conditions, and your fears of what other people think about you or what other people could possibly do to you. You see, the understanding of the happening or what's going to happen Everyone's always like, what's going to happen, Shaman Durek? What's going to happen? I can tell you this. What's going to happen is what you decide. How you decide to view and see and react to the present circumstances that are taking place. You see, the system is very intelligent. It care less about any of these issues of racism and sexism. It care less about who's, who's in this office and who's in that office. It doesn't matter. The system functions to do one thing, and that's to separate you. And separation is literally a disconnect from the self. Because if someone can separate you from another person based on things that you've read or heard and experienced by watching television or news or someone else telling you through gossip and conversation then you have a connection to the source. And it's just that, point blank. You don't have a connection to the source. Because if you have a connection to the source, you realize that every single person, if you like them or not, are part of that source, are part of creation, are part of you. And if you continue to put your head in the sand and 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 get angry at other people around you because you don't understand what they're doing and you don't like the way they're doing it, then you don't understand that those people that you see are programmed by a system that has initiated all types of codes and frequencies to penetrate into their intellect and build their way of thinking and acting out against themselves and others. Even though we may think that those people who are acting in volatile ways are operating in their own accord, but they're not. There's a great saying that, um, that Jesus said, which is forgive them for they not know what they do. And it's true. They really don't. The system literally has hijacked the minds of many individuals on the planet through fear, through lack, and through the idea of scarcity. When someone is afraid and has an idea that they won't survive or they're not going to make it or they're not gonna have enough money to live or eat or sustain life, you can program them in many ways you choose and they'll accept it. They'll accept anything that's programmable with the idea that at the end game of whatever it is you ask them to do or program them to do, that they're going to be able to survive And this is and has been the leading magnet to driving chaos into its position of authority over humanity for a very long time. You see, satisfying the mob is giving the mob what it wants, a reason to express 
what they feel they cannot express because they have to be quote unquote good. So when you give people a reason to be angry, even if it's a person that they can blame and say the reason why I'm angry is because of that person or because of this person I'm in relationship with or because of this friend who's irritating me or because of what this person is doing, I have to take a righteous position and I have to I have to prove them wrong and make them make them the demon, make them the monster so I have someone to persecute because human beings love to persecute. Because why wouldn't you love to persecute when you are told that your own creator is probably persecuting you in some way, in some form for all the horrible sins and horrible transgressions that you've done against the creator? A creator of which they have dulled down to an egotistical, insecure, sad, emotionally sad, emotionally upset, you know, can't handle getting its feelings hurt type of creator. God is jealous. God gets angry. Anger, it comes from fear. Fear is a parasitic generator that is generated by the underworld, by darkness. So you're saying God is inhabited by darkness, that the source of love is inhabited by darkness and goes into fear. And then God gets, God gets jealous. Jealousy is a fear, is a fear as well. It's an idea of lack and scarcity. So you're saying the all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator has a fear of lack. How is that possible? Isn't, isn't it the creator itself, the source of that energy, able to create multidimensionally whenever it wants, however it wants? How can there be lack involved? At what point did humanity even just, just step aside for a second and choose to look at that with just a ba- basic common sense. Basic common sense. How could God be jealous? I would say to the priest, to the preacher, to the pastor. How can God be jealous? And then one sentence, you're telling me God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. That means everywhere, all-powerful, all-knowing. How is that possible? Well, that's what it is. But how? But that's what it is. How? That's what it is. So you don't have an answer for me. You don't have an answer because you're a liar. And it's not, I'm not going to be mad at you because you're a liar. Because you would lie too. And you accepted it wholeheartedly without even question. Without a question mark. So what is running the chaos on this planet? Is it really our governments and our systems that are running the chaos on this planet? Or is it us? Yeah. Oh, I bet you didn't see that coming. We always think it's our president or the person who's in government or this, you know, secret society or, you know, any of these things. Well, if you know anything about magic and you know anything about utilizing magic for manipulation and control, as a shaman, my role is to take spells off of people and to free them from the limitations that they have allowed to be put on them through them. Yeah. So when someone comes to me and says, I have a curse, the curse could not be put on you unless some part of you accepted the curse. That means that there's a part of you that's hating on you that accepted the curse. And that's what they used in their spell to get you to be affected by the curse. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. So my role is to be able to find the right codes, right frequencies, right energies, right colors, right formations of alchemy to remove that curse or that spell or whatever it is that you've been doing to block love or block money or block anything from you and clear it. It's not that difficult. 
We all have the ability to do that. It doesn't make me special. Like I'm some special shaman over you. That's why I say be your own damn guru because I'm not special over you because I know how to do it. It's the difference is, is I know how to do it. Do you get that? It's like, I'm not special over you. It's just because I know how to do it and you don't. And that's why everything I do is to get you to a place of recognizing that you do. But in order to do that, you got to pull yourself away from chaos that is being created and generated, not by the Illuminati, not by some secret society, not by some generated ET. Yes, they do exist. However, they know the laws of the universe and they play within those laws of the universe. And, and here's the laws of the universe. You can't override someone's free will. Whoa. Wait a second. You're probably thinking, what does that mean? You can't override someone's free will. So if you can't override someone's free will, how is it possible that so many free wills are being overrode, overridden, right? Well, the simple answer to that is because you allow it. Let me give it to you in this way. Any of these other beings who want to enslave our planet or secret societies or any of these types of governments or whatever can only exist on your own accord, meaning that they can't exist unless you allow them to exist. And that's the reason why anybody who comes in like Mandela, Martin Luther King, or, you know, or uh, Kennedy or any of people who come in, it doesn't matter, women or men, right, who come in and begin to get into the minds of the people, such as myself, to remind you, to get you to remember who you really are with a smile on my face and a little bit of laughter that you actually allowed all of this nonsense to go on so far so long with your own hands and your own mind and your own emotions giving it power and sourcing it with your own source of energy which is you as this illuminated being of infinite power giving giving your power to the nonsense that they've put in place that needs a generator and you're the generator and so is your next door neighbor. And so is the guy and the woman down the street. And so is the person over here and over there. They're all generators generating enough energy to give permission for them to hurt you, to lie to you, to deceive you, to get you to go to war, to get you to, to put on uniforms and hold guns, to get you to, to support buying something that's killing you. They're the ones who are doing it. They're all they're doing is just putting it out there and you're the one who's generating and giving them that ability to say, yes, they're eating it. Look, they're eating the poison we put out there. They didn't have to, but they chose to and we didn't ride their, we didn't override their free will. So we have the right to continue. Just want to take a moment of pause for a second so you can just take that in. Because so many times I hear in the spiritual community and it kind of um, just, I don't want to say annoys me. It's a bit disappointing to see so many people believing that there's something outside of them that's actually generating all of this. When there is a universal cosmic law that says you cannot override another free will. Yeah, that means that you cannot override another person's free will. You can't energetically, physically, emotionally, and mentally. And so when people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this to me and you did that to me and da, 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 like even down to the point of me 
being molested as a kid. Before I came to earth, I set that whole thing up. I went with the babysitter instead of saying, no, I'm not going to. Even though you can say, oh, but you were a kid, you trusted him. Yes, because there's a part of me before I came to earth that set it up. And you may not believe me. You may say, that's crazy. You're saying that you were molested as a, as a five-year-old by your male babysitter because you set that up? I did. And I'm fully aware of it. And I'm okay with it because it needed to happen. But you see, for some people, they would find, why did that need to happen? Why did you have to have that experience? Because I needed to be charged up energetically. I needed to experience a male energy being intimate and sexual with me to open up new energy formations that I didn't even know existed that would start at a young age so that I can begin playing with those energies and begin to discover all these other energies that connect to those energies and then open myself up to a plethora of energies that I can utilize for healing, transformation, evolution, helping understand deeper levels of human emotion, animals' emotions, trees' energies, the way that nature communicates, and so much more. The thing is, there's, there's an old saying in shamanism that says, everything that crosses your path is leading you to your greatness. Good or bad, it's based on your choice to see it that way. If you just live life by going, oh, this is happening right now, and obviously this is for my greatest good, so let me just kind of embrace it with love, stop fighting it, and just kind of move into it, right? But the thing is, you're thinking, oh, well, then you're saying we should move into the chaos of the world? No. What I'm simply saying is you need to observe it so you can understand where your energy is giving power to it. You see, if I could stand in front of the whole world tomorrow and say, hey, everyone, look, here's the deal. Every government you have in your country and every society of thought and ideas and people who come together to collaborate to either cause destruction or to cause greater good, they cannot have power unless you give it to them. So I would invite you all to make a decision today to look at where you're putting your power. If you don't want war in your planet, stop giving them permission to have war. If you don't want these types of things happening, stop giving them permission to have these things happen. At some point, we have to make a decision as a collective of what we will and what we will not tolerate on this planet not just in our personal lives. You see, setting boundaries is one thing, which people do, which I don't really need to set boundaries because I'm pretty much in like, yeah, like whatever type person, just let me, if you want to hug me, hug me. If you want to touch me, touch me. If you want to like spend time with me, if you want to hold my hand, hold my hand. Like I'm okay with it, guy, girl, it doesn't matter to me because I'm pure love, right? But if you punch me and do all those things, I won't tolerate it. So just because I won't tolerate it, I don't need to tell you I won't tolerate it. I just hold inside of my being that that was never going to happen to me. That's the boundary I create. I don't create a boundary with you. I create an internal boundary of I will never and I won't let it happen. And I make a very clarity about that. And then it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. And it's because I don't allow myself magnetically to move into those frequencies that would allow something like that to happen. You see... The difference between being spiritual and non-spiritual is a spiritual person is activating energies that they're aware of, bringing awareness and observation to those energies, and then learning how to navigate those energies in their life to lead them to where they want to be. A non-spiritual person is just like a ping pong ball going across the table, waiting for someone to hit them with, uh, with enough force to move them in a certain direction. And that could be some cataclysmic 
cataclysmic situation that takes place on the earth. That could be someone who's upset them or broke their heart. And now it makes them actually finally get off their butt to finally do something for themselves. It could be a multiple thing. It could be like them losing all their money and that actually becomes the agitator that moves them into another direction and so forth and so on. We have constantly in society have been allowing certain types of events and situations to move us like, like a paddle hitting that ping pong ball, right? We've been creating forces of energy outside of us to shift us into something else instead of us collectively coming together and recognizing that we have the ability to shift from within, which also creates a shift from without, right? So we become we become the master of the dream instead of the dream, like, you know, bitch slapping us every time it wants us to learn a lesson. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't need my ass kicked every time to learn a lesson. So I'm, there's like, you know, I'm one of my friends, uh, Sahara Rose, she always says like, you know, Dirk, you're always living your dharma. And I was like, why do you say that? And she's like, because you, you don't allow karma anymore to just smack you across the room to get you to make choice or to move in a direction. You just go inside and feel where you're necessarily supposed to be. And then you go there. So you're on your dharmic path. You're actually listening to spirit versus listening to, you know, the punching um, or the kicking that the universe is going to be administering to you because you're going to be doing it to yourself because you're doing things that are not in alignment, your highest truth. You get it? So the thing is, is that we as people are putting power into all of these different things. Like, can you imagine, like we just had elections, right? And can you imagine if everyone in the United States just decided they're not going to vote, period, at all, until we change the whole entire constitution, until we change everything, until we decide that we're just not going to have anything to do with any more one person type situation and that we're choosing to have a committee of both men and women from different parts of life, one a scientist, maybe one a shaman, one a school teacher, maybe one who's here and there, just like regular people be the ones who make the decisions as a collective for United States of America. Or let's just say that happens across the whole entire globe, right? Like all of a sudden one country wants to go to war and there's like this person barking orders at these generals and telling them you got to go to war. And there's another country saying you got to go to war. And all the people don't realize is that even if they bark those orders and they say you have to go to war, they need soldiers. They need people to fly those planes. They need people to, 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 to drive those tanks. They need someone to hold those guns. And what if everyone decided, no, we're just tired of having no war on our planet. We don't want war anymore. We're not going to war. We're not going to war. Sorry, we're not going to war. Well, we're going to arrest you. Okay, well, then arrest all of us. Arrest the whole entire country because we're not going to war anymore. Matter of fact, once you arrest the whole globe, because none of us are going to go to war anymore. What if we made that decision? Then guess what would happen? War would cease to exist on our planet because it takes a lot of people to go into a war, right? Like if you look at the ancient days, you would have kings and queens, you know, of course, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> I'm a part of that world. Um, but you have kings and queens, right? And these kings and queens, if they had to go to war with another European country or whatever, they would have to have a certain amount of soldiers in their, in their country that would elect to show up and sign up to go carry a gun or ride a horse and go to war, right? So if they had very little soldiers participating in that war, guess what would happen? The other people who would go to war with them would win because they'd show up on the battlefield and they'd look across the grass and see like all these soldiers across the field of women and men who are screaming with their knives and their 
blades and their and their shields. And then they look at their look at their you know what they have, and they've got like a little small posse. Yeah, they would be like, we surrender and do what you want to do, you know, because there's no way we can win, right? You know, and so that's kind of how war was. It was like based on you know, even the king queen would say whatever. It's the people who have to make a decision to pick up the knives and pick up the guns and pick up the the shields and pick up the swords and pick up whatever it is they're asking you to pick up and go across the field and kill your brothers and sisters. Because that's basically what you're doing. I don't care who you are. I don't care what culture you are. I don't care what you are. When you die, here's the reality, okay? When you die, and I know this because I've died. When you die, the first thing that happens is um, you get to review everything that your life was, how you treated other people and how you treated yourself. But granted, it's not just how you, the reason why it's how you treated other people, because how you treated other people and how you treated yourself is how you treated God, right? It's your relationship to God. So your relationship to source, your relationship to spirit, how did you treat everything that God created for you, right? And that means other people. So if you were like really nice to yourself, but you were really mean to other people, chances are you were mean to creation, which means you were mean to yourself because you are them and they are you. And so you get to learn this kind of really interesting thing, right? So now let's say, for instance, you're a person who said, well, you know, I went to war and I had to kill all these people in another country. You had to. No one put a gun to your head. You made a decision to do that because your government told you to do that or else. Instead of you rallying a bunch of people together and say, we're done with this nonsense on our planet and we need to get the word out to the other people that we're done. Like, stop. Like, stop killing our brothers and sisters. Stop killing people for the sake of profit and gain that none of these people get to benefit from. None of them. That's the promise, you know? That's like what Hitler did to the Germans. It was like, okay, you guys are suffering and you don't have money and da-da. And you know who's the reason why? Oh, I can tell you why the reason why. It's the Jews. They're the reason why we don't have anything. That's the reason why you're not being able to feed your kids. That's the reason why you're not being able to do this. And it's like, okay, great. And then what? So you go to war to go kill the Jews and, you know, and then what? You're going to benefit from it in some way? The only person who benefits are the people on top. Not the ones on the bottom who are fighting the war for the people on top. Wake up. We are giving our power away to a system that needs power in order to run. It's like we are the batteries and they're the, 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 the machinery. And we go into the machinery and charge the machinery for it to work. That's how it works. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. And so does it want to be that way forever? No. When I say it will always be that way, it doesn't have to be that way. We can change it from always being that way. But we change it by educating each other on the truth. On the truth, not the lies anymore. You know, if you're not going around telling everyone about ancient wisdom today in your pa, in your post, on your Instagram, in your stories, and whatever, why aren't you? You know good and well that the knowledge and information that you're getting here is the information that other people need to hear because other people are listening to like, okay, and this thing is great. And oh, it's great about ETs and it's great about, and that's a wonderful thing and all. Yeah, let's talk about Palladians and let's talk about ETs and let's talk about all these things. But I mean, the whole reason why these beings are existing to assist us is to get us to stop putting our energy into a system that tells us that we have to put our energy there in order to, to be able to be safe or to have 
or to be comfortable. I don't find anything comfortable about killing my brothers and sisters. I don't find anything comfortable watching my brothers and sisters go to a grocery store and eat poison and eventually know their liver or their kidney or something's going to give out in the next 20, 30 years and not know why all of a sudden they have skin problems or why all of a sudden they have they can't have uh, children and how come they're going through these things. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts to watch my brothers and sisters who I love with all my heart in heaven, even the ones who, who go against me, even the ones who've been programmed by by the underworld sketchers to get in their head to think that I'm this evil person and I'm and I'm manipulating them and I'm doing this to them and all these different things that this these beings want to tell them and they go along with it because they want to go along with it. You know? That's what I when I started working with people who were like prisoners and and inmates and, and gang members and all this kind of stuff. You know, the funny thing that I always found fascinating is I always tell them, so what was it like when you killed someone? And they said, well, this voice in my head told me that I had to. And I said, but why did you listen to it? And it's like, I don't know. I said, no, but let's really go into it. Why did you listen to it? It's like, because I, I wanted permission to be able to lash out my anger and my hurt onto someone. And the voice gave you permission, right? Yeah. But then at the end, the voice laughed at me and told me, you did it. And I said, no, you made me do it. It says, no, I didn't make you do anything. All I did was suggest it. You did it and you're evil and you're bad. And that's who you are. And that's how people will always see you as disgusting and bad and evil. And that's what they heard. And that wasn't the one person I spoke to. It was like many people I've spoken to because I've helped a lot of people in gang members in like Juarez and, you know, in different types of situations in Turkey and Kurdish people who were in the mob and all this kind of stuff. You'd be surprised what my, my wonderful travels have led me to. And what I have found in people who have killed another person is that they were manipulated through a spirit, but they allowed that spirit to manipulate them and then gave in as a victim and then realized that that spirit was never on their side to begin with and that that spirit just wanted them to make a choice and they made a choice and they have to live with that choice. We make a choice every day when we go to the grocery store, when we talk to someone, when we hug them, we have a choice to really embrace them or pat their back and break up energies and make their, their body and their mind feel like they're not safe because they can't even get an embracing hug without you patting their back until you, what, I mean, I don't know. What are you trying to get them to do? Cough up something? The thing is, we're not embracing life if we're acting that way. Like every morning you wake up, if you're not telling yourself how amazingly cool and rad and awesome and amazingly beautiful and sensual and powerful and intelligent and genius you are, you're hurting the planet, man. You're hurting the planet, women. You're limiting your children. You're limiting a lot of people on the planet by you playing small and by putting yourself down. Every time you put yourself down, and then tell yourself you're a deeply spiritual person. Every time you put your mate down and tell them, tell yourself you're a deeply spiritual person. Every time you try to find a monster in another person and tell yourself you're a deeply spiritual person, well, you're not. Newsflash. And it doesn't mean that you can't be. And I'm not here to judge you and make you wrong. I'm basically saying that we have a greater responsibility 
been going around on witch hunts and looking for people to blame so we can feel better. Because that's what we're doing right now. That's what a lot of people are doing right now. A lot of people are angry with their friends and family and disconnected from people just because of the way they chose to vote. Well, you believe that, then that must mean you believe this. And if you believe that, I can't believe you would think like that. You, you know, come on. A lot of the things that they believe and what they feel is just coming from fear. Fear of survival, fear of scarcity, fear of not being able to make it and be able to feed their children or whatever it may be. So they're buying into things that the system in the matrix is telling them that's going to make things different for them. The same way you are. Who cares? The most important thing is love. Look, you vote for this person, you vote for that person. You believe this, you believe that. That's fine. I still love you. I still love you because I know that you are not of, the, of these things. These things have been programmed into you by a system that needs you to elect to be the battery for their machinery. That's how the matrix works. It needs you as a battery and it will use you until there's nothing left, until you die or have cancer or something else happens. Maybe they'll put you in one of their wars and have you be a casualty of war. Yay, your family gets a, a flag and or maybe they'll get like a banner or something to remind, to remember you by. But that doesn't help mothers who carried you all those months in their stomach or the father and the mom who made you through love or the friends who build relationships with you and the people who are with you just so that you can just go take your life. Oh, and don't think that I'm saying that you're not just taking your life because you're choosing to go to war. You're taking your life also when you're doing drugs. You're taking your life every time you drink. You're taking your life away from us, the beautiful people in the world who haven't even got a chance to meet you, such as myself, who haven't even had a chance to put you in my arms and look in your eyes and tell you how much you matter. People like me and other people in the world who haven't had a chance to meet you, you're taking away from us being able to meet you and the brilliantness that you represent as the creator on this planet. Because you are a light. Think if, think if we thought of the source as this great sun. When I was a kid, I used to take a piece of paper and I would draw on a piece of paper, right? And make these lines on a piece of paper. And those lines, each of those rays is like an aspect of creation. And that's you, right? So there's the source, which is that big sun. But then all those little lines that you draw outside to make the sun look like it's glowing, that's you. So you're, you are the source and embodiment. And every time you don't participate in your geniusness and participate in your, your creativity and participate in your sensuality and your connection and your ability to just embrace and feel pleasure, joy, ecstasy, and bliss and create that for other people, including yourself, you're missing out. You're taking away. This isn't a, a right or wrong thing. This is about how do we heal our planet and heal each other. Every day, I spend my life thinking how I can be a better person. Every day, I think about the people that I've hurt in life based on their rules and their regulations and things that they've created for themselves and things that I didn't understand at the time because I think like a child and things that may have hurt them, which it wasn't my intention to hurt them. It's like I'm walking around going, yeah, I'm going to hurt you. It's just like, no, I just want to discover you and talk to you and share things. Maybe I say things out of my mouth. Maybe I do things. That is not what you find to be comfortable. And I think about those things. I think about my, 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 my imprint on life and how I'm imprinting upon life. 
and the way it shows up and the way it's operating. So, you know, the thing that I can leave you with is this. You have everything you need to be the greatest human being that ever lived for yourself, for your other brothers and sisters. We have, as a collective, the ability to set a boundary that there's no more war on this planet. We won't tolerate any more poisons in our food. We're taking down the school system and building something different that helps us to truly evolve versus just follow rules and see if we're good at it and then learn a bunch of stuff we're not really going to utilize in our life. We have the ability to choose what type of music is either influencing positive occurrences on the planet, shifting and lifting us to see our sexiness, our greatness, our power. We have a choice as a collective to say, we're going to create an internal boundary. We're going to speak and share with every single person that they have the ability to make a choice to stop fueling the matrix, stop fueling these secret societies, stop fueling your government, stop fueling them with the fuel that they need, which is you and everyone else. The moment we as conscious power sources realize that we are the batteries that generate the system and it's not the other way around is when we get to take our power back. And that's what I give you. You are the source that generates everything. So what do you want to generate and why? Love you. Hey Tribe, so the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hey Tribe, we have an amazing share from the lovely Bruise Baby it's original unreleased song it's called it's a beautiful day written produced by him personally sharing it with the tribe it's cruise baby on ig that's c-r-u-z-z-b-a-b-y send him some love if you're on ig uh and let him know what you think of his song enjoy it's a beautiful day to love to love it's a beautiful day to love, to love, to love. It's a beautiful day to love, to love, to love. It's a beautiful day to love, to love, to love. Dame lo suavecito y rapidito también. Dame lo suavecito y rapidito también. Dame lo suavecito, mami, y rapidito.
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I am so happy that you are on the planet and that you are thriving and that you are fulfilling and living your best life ever. Because it's so important that we lit leaders of legacy recognize that all of the things that we see are the pollution in the world, that we are the solution to bring more love, more healing, more greatness into this life by being who we are and shining who we are in full liberation. And that means what? That means that we are not walking on eggshells and we are living our true life purpose and honoring who we are. Even if it upsets people, we know that we are doing what we need to do to be who we are so that we can forward the message of love on the planet and be able to stand as ambassadors of love on the planet. And so when we come to Ancient Wisdom today, we come here to continue the remembering, remembering who we are and remembering the information that's already inside of us, that's being shared by other people who are coming here as guests to share more information for us so that we can be even greater and bigger and be the giants that we are. Because, hey, we're on this planet to shake it up and wake it up. And as you know, I love you. And I know that each and every one of us is a walking leader of legacy. So I am so happy 
to have in studio today a brother, a beautiful friend, an amazing love, beautiful genius guy who is just filled with so much joy because he is about creating health and wellness, vitality, strength, and longevity for the human species. And not only that, but also by creating an understanding of us preserving the earth as well as living in a sustainable way. And how do we live in that sustainable way? Well, you're going to find out. But first, before we do, I want to let you know about this amazing man, Doug Evans. Doug Evans is an early pioneer in the health food movement. After losing his mother to cancer and his father to heart disease and watching his brother suffer through diabetes and three strokes, he invested in and co-founded with Denise Mari Organic Avenue. Organic Avenue was the first organic cold-pressed juice and raw food retailer in the United States. And not only that, but he's also opened up many other organic experiences for people on our planet to be able to live a good and healthy life so that we can, you know, not have all these toxins and illnesses and that we don't have to have disease because he teaches us how to truly love our bodies and how to live in harmony with nature. He was also the inventor and founder of Juicero, which is a company that was very successful. And now Doug has a new book out called The Sprout Book. And I'm super excited about having Doug on Ancient Wisdom today because he is doing sprouts. Yes, people, sprouts, my family, sprouts, something that we all need to be getting into. And so when he was doing it and showing me on his Instagram and like that's his life and that's what he's living, that's what his book is about. I was so excited to have him come in today with the family for this share and to talk about all that he knows about sprouts and living in harmony with nature and our bodies. So Doug, welcome to Ancient Wisdom today. Oh, thank you so much, Shaman Durek. What an honor to be here to share this message with you and um, everyone that is listening to this. So thank you. Oh, it's an honor, brother. So for those of us in the tribe that don't know you, can you share about your path with organic foods and and how you came to discover the power of sprouts? Yeah, so I I grew up as a juvenile delinquent and got into a lot of trouble. When I was 17, I joined the U.S. Army as a paratrooper. And the Army taught me discipline and gave me confidence, but it didn't teach me morals and values. And when I got out of the army, I just wanted to work and to make money. And I was just working, you know, 100 hours a week and my health was lagging. I had gained weight. I was 36 pounds heavier. I had low energy when I wasn't working. I had sleep problems, but I was able to grind my way through that. But then my aunt got diabetes and they chopped off both of her feet below her ankles. And then my uncle died of a heart disease. And then my mother died of stomach cancer. Then my father had a heart disease. And then my brother had diabetes, as you mentioned, and then had three strokes and a heart attack. And so at that moment, I thought I was genetically cursed. I really thought that, okay, well, I better get my affairs in order because I'm not going to have a long, healthy life. And then they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I met my teacher, Denise Mari, at two o'clock in the morning in New York City. And she was the first person I met that was vegan. And I never heard the term vegan before. When she said she was vegan, I thought it was short for vegetarian. And 
when she started to speak in a non-judging way and non-directing um, way, but just sharing what she learned on her journey of plant-based, I was literally drinking every drop of it up. And in a two-week period, I went from eating anything, street food, processed food, refined food, packaged food, to going um, eating fresh, ripe, raw, organic fruits and vegetables. And that was 21 years ago. And it was really hard in New York City before Whole Foods, before uh, vegan restaurants and juice bars on every corner. So Denise and I looked at each other and said, if we're going to live this lifestyle, then we need to be committed and we need to share this message with others. So we ended up opening up my loft on the Lower East Side to create a community space for potlucks and dinners and having speakers where we could share the information about a lifestyle. And that turned into Organic Avenue. And then we were opening up stores all over New York, sharing this message about how to eat um, fresh, organic plants. So we made recipes that were all plant-based. And that was the beginning of my journey. And then Juicero was very successful until I became a target and people didn't understand what was going on with my mission of making it easier for people to have more servings of fruits and vegetables. And a legitimate criticism about Juicero was that it was $7 a serving, which was the same price of a cold-pressed juice in a juice bar. And what most people don't realize is probably no one is making any money at $7 for an organic juice. But nonetheless, it was $7. And that was not mainstream. That was not scalable. So after I transitioned out of Juicero, I said, I need to be in nature. And I found um, a place that I was thinking, meditating, where can I go? And I found a place to go in the Mojave Desert. And I had a vision that there were hot springs in the Mojave Desert near Joshua Tree. So I moved here. And that was the beginning of when sprouting went from something I knew about to a necessity because not only was I living in the Mojave Desert, I was living in a food desert because there were no Whole Foods, no juice bars, no Air Ones anywhere nearby. So if I wanted to eat the way I knew my body wanted, then I needed to actually grow food. And it's hard to grow food in the desert except for sprouts. And that, um, I'm going to take a pause and a breath, but that's the beginning of this journey. That is a very powerful journey because it has so much emotional depth and connection to family and loss and, and pain and hurt. And at the same time, utilizing those experiences to step into, okay, you know, um, like what does all of that mean where you realize that it's guiding you to actually choose to be healthy and then wanting to make money, which is okay. Like a lot of times I feel like a lot of people 
get into this whole thing that they want to act like they don't want to make money. Making money is okay. It's just along the lines of service. Like how are we using our, our money and our accumulation of wealth to create change for the world and to help people to better their lives. And I think the journey of recognizing that, you know, we have to find something that's sustainable and maintainable for ourselves so that we can be able to survive and thrive. And we need to know these things. It's really important, especially now, because I've even predicted a lot of the things that are going to be happening on the planet where we're going to have to have sources of food available to us um, in ways that we can start helping other people to be able to maintain health and wellness and vitality and strength in their bodies. And so Sprouts has always been something when I used to go to farmer's market, uh, I used to always go to the sprout table where they have all the different types of sprouts. And I would just go and buy all of them and have them put in a big bag and I would just eat them all day long. And it's like my favorite thing, but I never thought about growing it myself. And I wasn't sure how to go about doing it or where to start or any of these things. And, um, and I've always admired you, Doug, because you're always a person who is true to what you do and what you feel and you're no bullshit. And I love that about you. And I have such great love for you. Plus, you know, you, you, um, you know, from the day that I met you and I think it was at mind body green, uh, I just connected with you and just beautiful connection and energy. But it's also nice to see because you're also, you're, you're funny and you also really want to see people be healthy and happy. And so I think that's a beautiful trait. And I just wanted to, 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 you know, let you know how I felt about that. So, you know, one of the things is um, that I was interested in is how can we use this nutritional food to upgrade our wellness system? How do we use it? What, it, what, why is it important for us to sprout as a community and as people on earth? Well, if we think about the origin of plants on this planet, every plant, whether it's a fruit or a vegetable or a tree, um, they all begin with seeds. And these seeds germinate. And then when they germinate, they then sprout. So there was a time, and probably for the greater portion of life on this planet, these seeds grew into mature plants that took weeks or months or years, and there was an abundance of land. So we now know that vegetables are considered good for you. Whether it's the World Health Organization or the U.S. Dietary Guidelines, everyone is recommending 7 to 13 servings of fruits and vegetables because only fruits and vegetables contain fiber and they have micronutrients and phytonutrients and antioxidants and polyphenols. So vegetables are really good for you. And sprouts were always used in nature to grow plants. And there were a few hippy-dippy trippies, myself included, that would eat sprouts or like you at the farmer's market. But it was never anything more than a, a garnish or something that was very corner case. But when I came to the desert and I didn't have access to mature vegetables or the convenience of restaurants and healthy food, that's when I looked at the seeds and I realized that you did not have to wait until this broccoli seed would turn into a full broccoli plant. 
that the broccoli seed would sprout and you would have edible food in three days or five days or seven days. And that this was the beginning of my awareness that if the world says that vegetables are good for you and most of the planet um, has access to water in the United States, and I know you know Marianne Williamson, we did a podcast about food poverty and food equality because there's still 40 million people living in poverty in the United States that don't have access to whole foods. And if they did, they wouldn't have access to the financial means. So I started to think about how we can make it easy and accessible. So if we go back to going into the health food store, if someone wants to buy sprouts in the health food store, they're expensive. It's $5 for a few ounces of sprouts. But if you were to buy the seeds and sprout on your own, it's literally pennies per serving. And that makes sprouting um, accessible. It means organic vegetables are accessible. And these vegetables have a multiple of the nutrients of the mature vegetables when they are in the sprout form. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples that if you were to take two tablespoons of broccoli seeds and sprout them in something as simple as a mason jar, a glass jar, two tablespoons will turn into six cups, like fistfuls of, of vegetables from two tablespoons in under a week by just adding water. And so that's one part. And one cup of those broccoli sprouts contains 60% of the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C. So just think about that. You're taking the seed that's a dormant living organism, right? It's just a complete plant organism in its dormant state. And if you show it a little love and a little attention by adding water, creating the darkness, soaking it and rinsing it, you're able to get it to sprout, blossom, flourish into edible food. So that's just the one example on the broccoli sprouts. If you peel back the layer one, one step deeper, broccoli sprouts are part of the cruciferous family of vegetables. So broccoli, cauliflower, kale, bok choy, they're part of the cruciferous family. It turns out cruciferous vegetables are known for their anti-cancer properties. And go a little bit deeper, broccoli sprouts have up to 50 times the amount of these anti-cancer properties of mature broccoli. And it's practically free at 20 cents a serving. So, so basically, where do we get these, these, these seeds? The, how do like, okay, let's say, okay, let's just go, you know, sprouts for dummies. Okay. Where do we procure these, these seeds so that we can start sprouting? And what, is there something that tells us like, okay, here's what you need to buy. Here's what you need to do. Like, I want to be able to call my assistant up today and be like, Hey, 
I need to start sprouting. This is what I need to do to get started so I can have sprouts next week ready to go and start eating these yummy sprouts for lunch and stuff like that. So I don't have to like, you know, because mostly I eat salads and things like that, but I think it would be great to munch on sprouts throughout the day or different times and stuff like that. If it's giving me all of these nutrients, uh, like where do we begin? Well, uh, Shaman Durek, that is why I forced myself out of my comfort zone where I'm living in the desert and hot springs and I force myself to sit at a desk on a computer and write the book on sprouts. And it's literally called the sprout book. And I, people, there's a lot of information online. There's a lot of people who know a lot about sprouts. I did not. And I said, um, I need to put all this information into one place. So I wrote the book, I created charts and guidelines, and it turns out that these sprouts want to grow. They want to be activated, and there's many methods and techniques. You can use a jar, you can use a tray, you can use a hemp bag, you can use a strainer or a colander. So there's many ways, and there's a lot of nuance between each type of sprout. So the way you would sprout broccoli seeds is very similar to alfalfa seeds, but it's very different than chia or the legumes like lentils or green peas. So that's why I wrote the book. And um, the information, you know, for you, there's companies that I buy my seeds from that like sproutman.com or trueleafmarket.com. And these are places that are selling organic seeds. They test the seeds for pathogens. And they also test the seeds to make sure that they have high germination rate so that it makes it easier for people to sprout. The equipment that someone can use is as simple as a mason jar with cheesecloth. And one of the advancements that's happened over the last 10 years was replacing the lid on the mason jar with a screen. So you don't have to use the cheesecloth to strain them. But if you were to just focus on one type of sprout, it's so easy to do. And what I did in my sprout lab was I went over the moon. And I started sprouting dozens of different seeds in dozens of different methods. And I started to document them so that I could share this information and make it even easier for people to sprout. So in your sprout book, you talk about the health benefits of sprouts. How can we use sprouts to boost our immunity and to prevent us from illness? How can we use it medicinally? I think that the notion of having food that's enzymatically rich, food that is alive, um, is very powerful. Food that is plant-based. I'll give you one example. In the plant-based world, people eat lentils in many different cultures. And lentils are considered a very high-quality plant-based food, also high in protein. When you sprout lentils, 
I mean, it, like sharing this with you right now, it's blowing my mind, but I'm going to just take a deep breath. When you sprout lentils, you double the volume at a minimum. So you take one cup of lentils and you sprout them and they become two or more cups. When you sprout the lentils, you double the antioxidant value of the lentils, which is the color and the pigment represents various antioxidants. So if there's red in the lentils, it's anthocyanidin. If there's orange, it's beta carotene. You double the antioxidant levels by sprouting the lentils. You triple the amount of vitamin C. By the sheer process of sprouting them, you're tripling the vitamin C. And vitamin C, and there's a lot of work on vitamin C and how that helps the immune system. And to take it further, when you're having sprouted lentils, you're getting more fiber. So soluble and insoluble fiber. And we know about the benefits of the gut bacteria. So when you're sprouting the lentils, you're, you're actually getting a prebiotic, which is feeding the microorganisms in the gut. And a healthy gut is also a necessity for a healthy immune system. So it, it so much begins that if you're having food that's fresh, that's ripe, that's alive, that's enzymatically rich, that's filled with micronutrients, phytonutrients, polyphenols, bioflavonoids, all of these prebiotics and probiotics all in this food that the, 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 best, the best example and the best suggestion that I could possibly have is from my own experience as well as from the interviews that I've done in the book with Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Dean Ornish, Dr. Joel Kahn, Dr. Axe, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Goldhammer. And it's interesting that all of these doctors have their own philosophy on, on health and lifestyle. So Dr. Hyman is a functional medicine. Dr. Axe is paleo and keto. He wrote the book on keto. And Dr. Dean Ornish is plant-based. But the thing that they have in common that can pull them all together is they all have an affinity and an appreciation for sprouts. So rather than tell people what to eat or what not to eat, what I suggest is that by adding sprouts to a meal, to a juice, to a smoothie, or to every meal and every smoothie, you're boosting your nutritional intake without boosting calories. Because sprouts are very low caloric based on the amount of fiber and nutrients on a program basis, which I've never been on Weight Watchers. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the Weight Watchers program. And under Weight Watchers, where they have a point-based system where a piece of bread is two points or a Snickers bar is five points, sprouts are zero points on the system and they encourage you to eat as many raw fruits and vegetables and sprouts as you choose without limit. That's really amazing. 
That's really amazing. I, I mean, there's so much information that we really don't know about sprouting. I'm surprised that we're not looking at that as a as a sustainable way for us to maintain our health and also to to you know to really kind of like lower our our mark on the way we're operating with the planet. You know, I think there's a I think there's a real consciousness there that you're delivering right now and what you're sharing with me and what you're sharing with the tribe and everyone here who's from all over the world is that you know we can bring this into our lives very easily and be able to have all of these 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 micronutrients and these you know powerful things that are helping it increase and help our microbiome and helping our health and helping getting rid of inflammation and and really supporting it and a lot of the doctors that you mentioned I know a lot of them and I've um, had the pleasure of having conversations with them and even um, you know spending a lot of time with them as well and um, yeah and I very much believe in uh, us being a little bit more, I would say aware and more, you know, forthright when it comes to how we're going to live our lives on this planet and taking more responsible, conscious action to the way in which we utilize our resources and the way in which we, things that we put into our body, I, you know, shamanism is about relationships. And so relationship to everything that you're putting in your body, as far as food, so as far as what you're listening to and what you're, what you're visually seeing, and then the, your community and what your, you know, your connection, your relationship to your ancestors and nature and, and all the elements and so forth. And so, you know, I think having a relationship with what we're putting in our bodies and because we're getting it from the ground source, we're getting it from the seed. We're not, we're not, we're not just buying this thing in the grocery store that has so many chemicals and pesticides put on it and God knows what else, but we're literally actually creating this in our own home. We're putting our own love into it. And you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I love being in the garden and, and, and growing things in the garden. I used to have my own garden and I plan to have it again. And what I used to love about being in a garden um, is that, you know, I put the love and the energy into the watering and making sure the soil is proper and making sure that everything is right where it needs to be to grow this amazing vegetable or to grow fruit or grow all these things from the earth. And it is such a presence for me. And, and, and when I say presence, meaning that it's a, it's a, it's a devotion and an acknowledgement that I put my love into growing something. And it's, it's so it's, it has my energy and it has my love in, in it. And I think this whole idea of sprouting at home and, you know, creating a community of people who are really honoring like that level of, you know, conscious responsibility of that we can actually create something in our home that's going to be really good for our bodies and good for our children and our families without, you know, really um, going out there and putting so much chemicals into our body. Uh, my question to you, Doug, is what is the best way to grow sprouts? Like what, you know, because I see all of these things and like, there's gotta be one way. Cause you know, if, the thing is what I always find is that when you go to a grocery store, there's all these people, you know, all these different products and all these things out there. And so it gets really confusing to the tribe. It gets really confusing to me. And what I always like to is to simplify life and make things more simpler. So what, what do you think is the best way to grow? Because what's the difference between us growing our own sprouts or purchasing them at the market? Well, I think for one, when they're at the market, you have now been separated from source. So you don't know when they began that journey. You don't know where they are in their shelf life and cycle. You don't know what water they use. You don't know what seeds they're using. And so 
when you're spouting on your own, you actually can create the exact amount of spouts that you want to on any given day and any basis with a little planning. So I like to to grow my own sprouts so that I could have this food sovereignty and the efficient use of water. It's unbelievable. Just think about this. To have one pound of ground beef may take up to 7,000 gallons of water to water the grain, to feed the cow, to water the cow over an extended multi-year process. But if you're spouting, you're using a tiny amount of water to get edible food in days. And so in your kitchen countertop, and my kitchen, and I'm happy to show you when you come visit, is 48 square feet. And that includes a refrigerator and a sink. So I've got a very small kitchen, but within one square foot of that countertop, I'm able to grow enough sprouts for me to consume at least eight to 16 ounces of sprouts every single day in under one square foot. So if you're asking where do you start, what's the easiest thing to do, and I don't want to create a run on on spouts like what happened when COVID began, but I would recommend start with broccoli sprouts. Organic broccoli seeds will grow into broccoli sprouts and I will describe the method here and it's very easy and I have a lot of videos on my Instagram at Doug Evans, D-O-U-G-E-V-A-N-S, but you take two tablespoons of organic sprouting broccoli seeds, put them in a jar, soak them in water for five to eight hours in a cool, dark place, and then either use one of the strainers or a sieve or a piece of cheesecloth over the top of the jar with a rubber band, pour out the extra water and leave the jar inverted so that the extra water drains out and fresh air can flow through the jar. And do that and rinse them twice a day. And within three days, you're going to start to see the tails growing. And in five days, they will have multiplied in volume by an order of 10 times. They will be 10 times larger than the seed and they'll be this complete organic vegetable that may taste a little like broccoli, may also taste like a finely chopped piece of lettuce. And you could do that and you could begin today. And you know, I don't encourage people going on watching nonsense on YouTube, but if you were to even just Google how to sprout broccoli on YouTube. There's probably hundreds of, of videos um, to do that, but it's really, really simple and it's easy to test and it's easy to get the results. What, what do you think about um, sprout bags versus putting them in jars? Like, what do, you, what do you see about that? And is that something that really works if someone was to, to purchase a sprout bag? You know, the sprout bags have their advantage because the, the hemp bag or the cotton bag is very easy to work with and it has a high degree of circulation because 
the air can flow in and out. I prefer the glass jars because I like the visibility of being able to see what's inside. And you generally don't get to see what's inside the sprout bags until the later, um, the later days. But the sprout bags are easy. And in a pinch, I would use them. But I like the jars. And I actually like using sprouting trays as well. But that's a more room for error using the tray. So that's why for the masses, I'm encouraging using a glass jar or another vessel that you can soak and seed and strain in. So, because, you know, right now with everything with the COVID going on, uh, the, the mason jars are really ch- challenging to find right now. I tried to order a bunch of them for the house and uh, they were just out of stock and they've been out of stock for a while. So what would you recommend people to do if they can't have access to a mason jar? Oh, there's a Now Foods, N-O-W Foods, has a half gallon sprouting jar that has now recently become uh, available. And it's, it's, I see them on All Star Health or on iHerb um, and on Amazon that they're available today. So, and I just, I just bought some more. I have at any given time about eight jars, but if you don't have them, I would use any empty glass um, vessel. So uh, someone gave me, um, came over and they made tomato, they made fresh pasta made out of zucchini, but they used tomato sauce, a glass jar. And I literally pulled it right out of the recycling bin. I washed it off. I sterilized it. And now I have another glass jar for sprouting. So pretty much you can use any vehicle that can hold water for for soaking and then sprouting the seeds. And then literally you could take a piece of cheesecloth or organic fabric or a strainer, put it over the top of the jar when you rinse it out and you basically want to keep them wet without waterlogging them. So, so, you know, um, so you're saying, you're saying now foods has a sprouting, cause there's two sprouting jars. There's one sprouting jar. Um, that's, and then there's a safe sprouting, which is the one that people should start with. A lot of it is the, is the personal preference. I like the now food sprouting jar because it's just very simple, very rudimentary, and it has a lot of volume. It's a half gallon. So you can put, get a lot of volume out of a single jar. And, and so, and what do you think about these, these sprouting containers, you know, Sproutman organic, uh, you know, they have those, they have these containers that they, um, that they sell, uh, called the, um, automatic sprouter. Do you agree with people in using that? I think that they have their pros and cons. The, I've literally bought every product that they had on their website, um, to test, and what I came back with was for me, I like having the fresh water in there. And when you're using the automatic sprouter, it's recirculating the water. And I did not like that. So I stopped using it. So, you know, everyone is looking for a shortcut. And I'm sure there's going to be levels of innovation that come along. But today, I don't think anything 
really beets, the mason jar, or even taking the broccoli sprout seeds, putting them on an unbleached paper towel, and then using a little spray bottle mister and misting them several times a day, you can get great results that way as well, without a jar, without anything, just using the the paper towel in lieu of soil. So can you sprout both fruits and vegetables or are there some foods you should not sprout and some you in the one and there's some that you should? Well, the vegetable seeds are much more prolific. So if you were to take one broccoli seed and let it grow into a broccoli plant, it will then flower and then create 600 or so more seeds. A piece of fruit, like take a stone fruit. Um, I just bought some organic apricots at the farmer's market. If you take the pit and you open up the pit, inside there's a seed. And so that's one piece of, of potent nutrients, but you certainly don't get the volume of seeds and sprouting. Some things They've been hybridizing watermelon to produce watermelon seeds and squash and pumpkin have seeds, but not nearly as voluminous as the vegetables. If you think about a sunflower can produce hundreds of seeds and all of the vegetables when they, when they seed after flowering will produce much more seeds than fruit. Fruit is great to be eaten whole and I actually like to break open the pit and eat the seed inside, but you don't get the same volume. But with all things sprouting, you're better off soaking and germinating and activating the life force inside of the seed by sprouting it rather than just eating it. So I sprout all of my nuts and seeds, um, even sunflower seeds, if I'm eating them as a nut um, or almonds I soak and then sprout rather than eating them because by soaking them and sprouting them, you're removing the phytic acid, the enzyme inhibitors and allowing them to become more bioavailable and access to the nutrition. Yeah, you know, I've learned that was a very important thing because I believe that there's the, it's like their protective layer that they have um, around them that our bodies don't necessarily agree with. And so I've, I started really soaking my almonds and allowing them to sprout. And I noticed that it was easier on my digestive system than just taking a handful of almonds and eating them. And is that because of what you just said? Yeah, absolutely. Because they, they, do, have, they do have enzymes on there that are designed to be their protective mechanism. And when you sprout them, it, it, it's opening them up and making them more bioavailable. That's amazing. I love nature. It's so beautiful. And so, so just like the design of nature is amazing. So, you know, Doug, in your opinion, how do you feel that the sprouting is impacting our food system? It, it's such a great question, Shaman Durek. If we think about from the beginning of time, Almost all seeds were germinated and then planted to grow into vegetables and fruit trees. And people knew where their food 
and where their vegetables were coming from. So there was a lot of land and people would grow their vegetables or they knew who was growing their vegetables for them. If we fast forward today, like in the mighty state of Kansas, where it's the largest agricultural state uh, in the United States, 90% or so of the food that is consumed in that state is imported from other states and countries because that state is using all of their farmland to grow corn and soy for feeding cattle. So in the case of sprouting, the idea and the insight was that if you were to take this seed and sprout it, you actually can eat it as food within the week. And that was the most liberating epiphany wake-up call that I've ever, ever had. That you didn't need to go to the market. You didn't need to do anything fancy. You didn't need to wait weeks or months or years. You didn't need to take an animal and make that your source of protein where you could didn't have to wait for mature vegetables. You actually could take sprouting seeds, soak them, sprout them, and eat them and take control of your food destiny. And I'm not saying that you should sprout everything and you should become a sproutarian. What I am saying is sprouts are really healthy. They're really low cost. They're really easy to grow. And they are super nutritious and more nutritious than their mature vegetables. And probably the perfect combination is to combine eating mature vegetables and sprouts and adding them to your diet at every opportunity. And just intellectually and logically, would you rather have a processed, plasticized protein powder in your smoothie or adding a handful of sprouted peas that would have seven grams of protein and fiber and micronutrients and antioxidants? So this is a whole world And it's moving so quickly, like sprouting is trending on Google. It's like literally there's been more growth in sprouting since April than there was since the beginning of Google Trends in 2004. It has doubled. So I think that this movement is is happening and people are sprouting all over. Yeah, it's amazing what you're saying. So you're saying that taking pea sprouts is enough protein with the fibers that it's giving you so that you can have one, a healthy bowel movement and digestive system, but also that you're getting protein. Yes. Wow. You're you're getting seven grams of protein and you're getting soluble and insoluble fiber and you're getting antioxidants and you're getting it for, you know, under a dollar a serving. Wow. So wait a second. So there is a such thing as a sproutitarian? Uh, sproutarian is just a word that I coined for, you know, it's like someone, a, a vegetarian is one who eats vegetables and a sproutarian is one who eats sprouts. I don't think it's mainstream and probably won't happen, but it's, it's a, something that I think about. Even myself, I, I pretty much max out at about 50% sprouts 
but know in the back of my mind that if I had to, I could eat a hundred percent sprouts. Nice. Well, you, you know, you have this whole thing that you, you say sprouts are sexy, right? Oh, I, I mean, what is sexier than being able to take divinity of your future and to feed something like plants? You know, it's, 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 it's nature is sexy and it is sensuous and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you think about the inside of a seed contains endosperm. Just think about that. Every seed contains sperm in the endosperm of sproutable vegetable seeds. Wow, I'm getting turned on already, Doug. (laughs) I definitely get turned on by nature, definitely. Let me ask you this. So let's say, okay, because you know you have these types of people in Los Angeles and all in different parts of the United States and all over the world who are like, hey, let's just use LA for an example, right? I don't have time to be growing these things. I don't have time to do this. Is there a place that actually just will deliver tons of sprouts to someone's home so they can just get it now so they don't want to wait for four days while they're getting their sprouts going? I mean, there may be, but I am not aware of them. Like I moved out to the nature. I know that Air One has good quality sprouts. I know the Santa, Mar- Santa Monica Farmer's Market has good sprouts. I don't know of a sprouting delivery service um, yet, but I think that it's going to be. I mean, the, the amount of people that are coming that are sprouting, it's really becoming a movement. I'm, I'm getting communications every single day from all over the world and the most extreme people. And I don't know if you know Katie Wells from Wellness Mama. Mm-hmm. She's got a parenting blog and podcast. Yeah, she's amazing. She's over the moon with sprouts. She put me on her podcast, you know, to talk about sprouts. And so that's like one extreme, like, you know, young and middle-aged mothers sprouting, right? So that's one extreme. And then I did a podcast with Joe DeSena from the Spartan race, you know, where they've got a million people who do these ultra- you know, obstacle courses from five, five miles to 30 miles. And they're over the moon with sprouting. I mean, it's unbelievable the, the range of people that are getting turned on and tuned in to sprouting right now. So with this much bioavailability, why do we have people starving on earth? I mean, I don't get it. Can you explain me that? If we have sprouts? I, I think that there's a huge communication issue and there's an education issues and there's distribution issues. But look, there's there, in my opinion, if we look at the land and the resources of water and land, we have more than enough water and land to grow enough sprouting seeds to feed the world. Like literally you know, today, the fishing technology, they have fishing nets that are capable of, of gathering more fish in one net, in one like pulling up from the ocean, than a hundred years ago, they could fish an entire year. And when they're 
they're doing this and they're they're fishing from the oceans, it's really affecting the ecosystem of, of the oceans. And we need the oceans and we need the land. So sprouting is extremely efficient use of water and of land to to create food that's just not just food but very nutritious plant-based food rich with protein and fiber and antioxidants and you know like everything that you need it's in sprouts amazing so when, okay so when you have your sprouts i mean do you eat them flat out raw like do you just eat them or is pe- do people put dressings on them? And which is your favorite dressing to put on these sprouts? So I am extremely uh, disciplined about being able to eat sprouts raw and by themselves. There are certain sprouts like radish sprouts or onion sprouts that are, or fenugreek sprouts that are very spicy and hard to eat raw. Um, without mixing into salads. My unequivocal favorite dressing is tahini dressing and the fat from the sesame seeds. And by the way, you can sprout sesame seeds, but the, the fat and from the sesame seed creates a flavor profile that works very well with masking the bitterness and spiciness of the sprouts. But I'll also say in my book, I was concerned that not everyone would want to just eat handfuls of sprouts. So we created 40 recipes um, in the book of salads and entrees and smoothies and desserts and child-friendly and workout-friendly. So they're in there. And I even received a recipe from... My friend John George, the Michelin star chef from New York, who's a big sprout sprout fan and sprout advocate, gave me one of his favorite recipes that has sprouts in it. Well, that's why everyone needs to go out and get Doug Evans' book and tell people where they can find your book, Doug. I would say the book is on Amazon. It's on True Leaf Market. It's at Barnes and Noble, Powell's, Books a Million, pretty much wherever books are sold, um, in on and offline. And the the book, and I, I'm saying this with as much surprise and awe as I can imagine. The book is in its third printing and began shipping in April, and we're now in our third printing already. That's wonderful. I'm so excited that your book is out there, Doug. And I'm so excited that I got to have you here, brother, on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. How can people follow you and get into what you're doing? And thank you for this plethora of information. I am so lit right now and I am so ready right now to get my sprout on. Yeah, well, I am I'm excited. I mean, connecting, you know, I knew when we were just, and I love our means of communications because it could be any you know, different form. And I always feel that whichever it is, it's the right one at the moment and it's connecting. I'm becoming most active on Instagram at Doug Evans, 
D-O-U-G-E-V-A-N-S. And that's where I'm putting up most of my information. And um, they can sign up for my email list at thesproutbook.com. So which is our website where we're going to be publishing a lot more information and we're working on content. And, you know, this is my mission and I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be able to have the energy to share this. Well, I am honored and privileged to have the ability to share this to the tribe and to everyone around the world. We have people from all over the world who listen to Ancient Wisdom today, from people even down to Saudi Arabia and China, Japan, and even Kazakhstan and all over and so much more. So it's so many people who are going to be able to get this information to be able to uplift their lives with sprouting and get their sprout on like I'm about to do because I feel super lit about everything you're saying. And I've been like sitting here looking at things um, that you've been telling me, um, that's places to go and look and so forth while we've been in this wonderful conversation so that I have information to share. Uh, Doug, I love you, brother. You rock. And I'm so happy and grateful to have you today on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me and you have the best day ever and I look forward to connecting soon. Thank you, Shaman Durek. Uh, thank you, love. Goodbye. So I really enjoyed the conversation with Doug Evans because I am a huge fan of Doug I remember um, the old days when Whole Foods wasn't around. There were no Air Ones. There was no places for people to be able to eat plant-based food. Um, If you were eating plant-based food, you would have to source it yourself. And I remember what that was like. I was at a time in my life, I was working for this guy named Dr. David for the San Francisco Medical Research Foundation. And what Dr. David specialized in was educating people on um, different types of uh, nutrients that they can put in their body that are, um, you know, not a food that has been, you know, processed and uh, filled with chemicals and so forth. So, you know, every day, you know, uh, being with him at his house up in Mount Tam and being there and learning from him and him educating me on all of these different types of ways that you can eat. I mean, that was the first time I ever came across blue-green algae, but it was really hard to source, but he helped me source it um, and taught me how to, you know, do the Manchurian mushroom uh, where I had started making my own kombucha. And this is in the early 90s. So you can imagine um, there was no Whole Foods. There was none of these places. And learning how to eat raw food, eat plant-based food, you know, he taught me so much about all of these things. And he was working with so many people who were sick and giving them alternative ways to heal themselves from their illnesses and be able to handle them, the, the medical stuff that they were dealing with in the Western world as far as the chemicals or any of the things that they were experiencing. And so every single day, it would be like learning about all these things. And he would just be like plugging my brain with all this information about every little thing I can put in my system that I've never heard of in my entire life. And I remember started sharing it with my friends and my friends thought I was absolutely crazy because they were like McDonald's, Burger King, Carl's Jr., Pizza Hut, you know, Domino's. I mean, anything that they could do, round table pizza. And I grew up in a household where my father, um, you know, basically my, my stepmom, she only cooked at certain times. And when she did cook, I wasn't really into the food so much as that, you know, 
I used to always spit it out and put it in my napkin and then hide it, you know, and my sister would always help me to get rid of the evidence. So I would keep doing that. And then she'd be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And then we'd throw it in the toilet. And then she'd come back and be like, oh, you finished your plates. It looks like you're hungry. You want some more? And we're like, no, 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 we're full. Um, And then we kind of sneak snacks when we could or go to a friend's house and eat at their home because it was just always very weird food for me. And I never really did like appreciate her cooking. and, and, And that was just me, you know. And so my father then got to a place where he had to be the one who started like, you know, taking care of, as far as food. And when we had family dinners and my dad was cooking, it was great because my dad was always a steak man. He was always like steak on the table and it was like tomatoes. And he would put like a glob of mayonnaise on the tomatoes with salt and pepper. I'll never forget. And it was like corn or, you know, and, and, and like green beans. Very. Um, and then they would if salad was made, it was like small salad was made. Um, but majority of the food we ate was steak. And he always went to the place where they, he'd get like top sirloin or, you know, uh, he'd get porterhouse steak. And like he always was about like how he can get like the best steaks because he knew all the butchers and all this kind of stuff. And that was pretty much my diet. And then if he wasn't cooking and she wasn't cooking, it was McDonald's, Taco Bell and Burger King. And I got to a place where when I finally met Dr. David... Um, and started working for him as administrative assistant, I started to learn about like how these foods were actually affecting my body and I stopped eating it. And I literally walked away from eating any meat or anything and became plant-based and have been since that day. And what's interesting about the whole thing was with, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because Doug was around at that time. And there was a lot of people who were kind of like not educated on the benefits of eating plant-based and how important it was to have food that wasn't too processed, you know, and, and wasn't, you know, too packaged and all these different things. And not only that, but he also was at a time when, you know, when people, when you go to people's homes, you would be eating a lot of that food. And so to live a life in New York city and live in the plant-based, you know, vegetarian, vegan way, right? And that was a challenge for me as well, being in San Francisco. And then the community of San Francisco immediately shifted over to eating super healthy, which was amazing. And it happened so quickly in San Francisco, which was great because then all my friends immediately, it was like, oh, I don't drink milk anymore. I drink rice stream. Oh, I don't do this. I do almond milk. Oh, I make my own almonds. And then it became like this easier process thing where people just naturally gravitated to eating healthy in San Francisco, where where I would travel to other places. It wasn't that way. And so for Doug to be able to meet, you know, and connect into his story about how he came into that journey. Now, first of all, you have to understand that if you're in a family and every member of your family is getting sick with like diabetes and and heart problems and you you name it, right? Because I mean, Doug, as he said, a lot of his family members got sick and they died. And when you're exposed to the people in your life or your family and they're dying and it's everyone and then your brother and then, you know, all these things are happening, you start to wonder, okay, well, that's my family and they're getting sick. So he actually thought that he felt that he was genetically cursed. And so for him to see his family having all these illnesses and then him, you know, living his life the way he did, because, you know, he was a juvenile kid. I was a juvenile kid as well. 
Um, and being a juvenile kid doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that you don't accept uh, the system the way it is. And so you test the boundaries of the system. And a lot of juvenile kids get in trouble because they either have broken homes or they have hurt at homes or they're in pain and they don't, and they get into trouble and are at young ages and they don't know any better, but they just do it. And, you know, that's what happens, right? And so he was this juvenile kid, then he joined the army so he can really understand the morals and values and then left the army and just wanted to make money, gained weight, 36 pounds, sleeping problems, and he was in the grind. And he just was like, I'm going to stay in the grind. I'm going to keep pushing myself through all of this. And everyone in my family is getting sick and dying and having diabetes and all these other things. And that's it. That's, that's enough to kind of get you shook, you know? And, and then all of a sudden he, you know, he meets this woman, Denise Mari, who is this vegan and she educates him on plant-based the same way that Dr. David educated me on plant-based. And that's why I was explaining the story because it's always that person who shares with you and you see how they are in their spirit. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget when I was with Dr. David we would, he would teach me about all these things that I knew nothing about, but I would just take notes and take notes and watch how he handled things. And then in the middle of the day, he would go up to the top of his um, office and he had a temple that he built with a huge gong, which I've never seen a gong before. And all of these like um, tree of life and all these different words and energies and so forth, you know, and I was raised in a more shamanic understanding of things. And so for experiencing that, and we would just sit there and he would gong and gong and gong. And then after I would gong for so much, he'd take me into a room and sit me in front of a television and do this thing called artainment, where it was just like these beautiful colors coming at me with all this like beautiful music. And it would just relax me. And then he would have me take all of these different um, superfoods, which I thought was really interesting. And so to have someone like Denise Mari show up in Doug's life, right? Which is very similar to what I went through with David and who's a vegan, and educated him in a very non-judgmental way. And I think what happens in society is that we get all these vegans and we get all these vegetarians, we get all these raw fooders, and then they go into judgment thinking that they can educate people by making them feel bad about themselves or like pushing down their throat. You're killing all these animals. Look what you're doing. Here's the horrible pictures and here's the horrible videos where instead it should be about educating them how to love themselves, which is what Davi did for me and is what Denise Mari did for Doug right? And being able to teach you how to love yourself through education and seeing it reflected from the other person of how good and how vibrant and how amazing and how energetically, um, you know, balanced that person feels. And that's what I noticed in David was that every time he walked in the door, there was like this just sense of groundedness and balance being the fact that we're in in Mount Mount Tam around the trees you know, and Doug's in a city, you know, with cars and all kinds of stuff going on. And Denise had that level of grace that he witnessed. And so he saw that. So when someone is sharing with you, and it's always important for us to remember that as tribal leaders, right? Is that whenever we want to share something with someone, we also want to be emulate, um, emulating that within our own being, right? We want to emanate it into the world. And, and we want to amplify that in the world through our own presence. So if people see you and you're like, oh, I want you to you know, I want to share with you plant-based and so forth, but you look like tired and haggard and super thin and you can't even pronounce your words because you look like you haven't eaten and you're starving. Chances are people are not going to want to listen to you. 
because they don't feel your high vibe. They don't feel your sexiness. They don't feel like how it's really affecting and creating change in your life, right? They don't feel the litness. And that's why I always tell people, it's like, don't share things with people if you are not really vibing from it and benefiting from it. So, you know, with, with the whole situation with Denise, which, which was beautiful in Doug's story, was how they, they made a commitment, you know? And at that time, making a commitment to eating healthy and plant-based is a big commitment. I know for myself, my family thought I was crazy, my dad especially, like he would say, okay, we're going to eat McDonald's tonight. I'm like, not for me. No, thank you. And he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I just need you to get me, I need to get some lettuce and some, you know, and vegetables and I'm just going to make myself a salad. And, you know, and he'd be like, what? And then I'd come home and my sister would be in the house and she'd be like, what is this? What is this weird, nasty thing sitting in this glass jar? And I'm like, "Uh, that's a Scooby. And she's like, what's a Scooby? I'm like, "Uh, Manchurian mushroom. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's amazing. It's it's this, it's beautiful. It's this beautiful fungi. It's like making me this amazing um, detoxifying drink that's going to give me everything that I need. And she's like, why do you have it in this dark space? And why are you? And then it would grow. And she'd be like, I think you need to throw it out. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to throw it out. I'm going to make more. These are little Scooby babies now that it's made. Now I'm going to transfer them to other jars, and I'm going to make more. Before you know it, I had the whole house drinking this effervescent kombucha. And people were, my friends would come over and be like, what is that? What is that? You know, and same with blue green algae and same with wheatgrass when I used to have the wheatgrass trays. And they're just like, what is that? And I had to source it and it wasn't easy. And, uh, and so for Doug to make that commitment with, with Denise Mari and they, by opening up his loft, and this is something I really want to talk about with Tribe. And here's the reason why. Whenever you feel passionate about something where you feel like it created change in your life, something that's actually inspired you or a person that's inspired you or uh, uh, any kind of system of thought that has inspired you to become a more loving, more generous, more kind, more open, more prosperous, more abundant, more playful, more sensual being, uh, more healthy, more vibrant, more health conscious, mind conscious, spirit conscious being. It's important for you to share that or to create ways for that to amplify. So in Doug's case, he opened up his loft. How many of you have created circles or groups or gatherings so that you can bring uh, people together to hold that commitment of holding that energy on planet Earth so that it can benefit not only yourself, but benefit other people as well? It's important, especially as a tribal leader. We have to be able to put the power back in people's hands but we also have to create a safe space for them to be able to come, be educated and nurtured and go into that process. It's like for me as a shaman, my thing is to get everyone to become shamans, right? In without going through all of the craziness that, you know, that it takes for some people to become shamans, you know, but to become a shaman, it's really about connecting into that shamanic wisdom, the knowledge, the spirits and building that relationship. So instead, I just create a space for people and lay out all the things that they can utilize And then when they come back, they can utilize more and more. And then, you know, holding that commitment in that space to everything that I do. And that comes from social media, that comes from the website, it comes from everything, you know, and even what you're, what you're a part of in ancient wisdom today. So you have the power to look at all the things that inspire you, delight you and lift you and shift you and begin to start finding ways that you can amplify that even just in your community. Even if it's just two or three people gathering, it's better than none. 
right? And so I love that Doug committed to saying, you know what? I'm going to open up my loft. I'm going to open up my loft and I'm going to create a space so that we have a community space since we don't have Whole Foods because they didn't even know what that was. Like that wasn't even, that wasn't even created yet. None of those places were created. Air One, Whole Foods, whatever else that's out there, nothing was created like that. I remember because I used to go to New York, you know, and it was just pizzas and, you know, just very, a lot of oily based food and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and so, you know, he created this potluck and these dinners that turned into Organic Avenue. Now that's powerful, right? Because that's basically thinking outside of the box from realizing there is no box because you can't have a box if you want people to come in. So you need to create a space, an energy, a surge, a thought, an idea, an innovation that brings people to come and share. And so he created a potluck dinner, you know, and I love that because I've used to have all these beautiful um, and Ukiah in California, uh, I have salad parties. So I used to have these friends, we'd all get together. <laughs> there are more, sometimes they were neck salad parties, I'm not gonna lie. But um, basically what it would be, it was like the guys and girls and we would just go to our gardens and we would bring like mustard seed, lettuce, arugula, like whatever we had, whatever people could get their hands on and everyone would meet up at a house and we'd all put our salads together and make the most beautiful salad all of us putting our beautiful energies into the salad. And sometimes we'd have like naked salad where we just take off our clothes. It wasn't always sometimes like completely naked. We'd just be in like underwear. But nonetheless, we would sit around together and talk about our love for life, our love for each other. And we would eat salads and just really take time chewing the leaves and tasting the mustard seed lettuce and all these different things. And, you know, and I invite friends of mine who've never been introduced into the green communities that I was a part of. And I used to spend a lot of times in these places of Ukiah and um, in Mendocino County and, you know, all these things because a lot of my friends, and then also I had a friend named Casey where his mom had the most beautiful tomato garden. And I used to love just picking off a tomato and eating it and watching her in the garden. It was so inspiring. So I, when I moved to LA later in life, I um, had my house in Silver Lake and I turned my house into a greenhouse in the sense of I did composting, I did parties every week with DJs, um, raw food, plant-based food. I brought in people to, um, to talk about their green clothing, everything from hempware to you name it. I had tables put out, I had DJ, I had my pool so people can swim, I had a saltwater pool. And I used to teach people about composting and all the different ways you can compost and what things you can compost and what things you can't compost. And I would educate people on, on really taking our print, um, you know, our heavy print and kind of lessening and seeing like what we can utilize in our environment. I had a beautiful garden. I grew all these herbs and I had um, trees with beautiful um, uh, lemons and apples and plums and just gorgeous. And people would come over to my place and I had this beautiful table in the back where we can have like beautiful salad parties and food. I had like a beautiful fountain in the front and everywhere I lived, even when I lived in my tree house, I had an open part of my tree house that would come down from the, where the house was built on like the tree. And in the front, there was a beautiful open area and I grew all of my, all of my um, vegetables and all the things that I would use to eat. So that way I always had things. I would go out there and pick a tomato or 
you know, get my herbs and stuff and mess and use my molter to smash up my herbs and make all of my things. And I think having that kind of feeling in life, connecting you to earth, one of my greatest moments is being in the soil. So if I'm not horseback riding, I love to feel the soil in my fingers, in my hands. I love to plant. I love to garden. I love farming. I love anything to do with it. And even um, my friend Dave Asprey, what I love about visiting him up in Canada was that he has this huge farm and we just go in his farm and he's got everything in there growing and it's just a beautiful feeling. And so having Doug create this organic avenue in the middle of a city of New York City, I don't know if you know, but I used to go to New York in the 80s and the 90s. And this is before like, you know, it was like cleaned up and it was like, (laughs) the memories I can tell you before it was cleaned up and it was you know like kind of I kind of see like New York a little bit like Disneyland now because it's like super cleaned up and whatnot but when I went there like I lived in Dumbo I had a loft in Dumbo it was it was only one uh restaurant across from my loft that only had pupusas and quesadillas and a jukebox that played all the Selena hits and there was nothing else there. Now you go to Dunbar, there's like five, there's like Ferris wheels and people there and restaurants and this and that. It was nothing. I would take and get off on York Street and walk blocks to my loft. And I built out my loft with one of my very good friends. And we built it. We, and during the weekends, we turned it into an art gallery. I would do healings. And then I would use to get money to pay my rent. I would throw these parties and, um, and have DJs come and then charge people money to come in the door like five bucks and then five bucks for a cup of beer and literally that's what i did and that's how i paid my rent and that's how i bought clothes and whatever because i would use the money from the party and me and my friend jeremy this is how we would survive but new york was different back then and there were no health food stores and there were no whole foods so for doug to literally come into that space of commitment with this friend of his and create this organic app and then start opening up stores around New York at that time is huge. It's really huge. And I have a lot of respect. So when you, when you hear me say I have a lot of respect for Doug, my respect for Doug is because of his perseverance, his ability to be met with hardships and still climb out of it. And that's how I look at my own life. And that's how, so, you know, when I met him at Mind Body Green so long ago, I looked at him and I was like, wow, this is a kindred spirit. This is a person that when the going gets tough, he keeps going. And that's how I look at life. It's like you can go through life and things can be difficult for you. Like he had the whole company, Juicero. And it was like all this craziness that happened. It was like all over. I mean, I remember listening to some of my celebrity friends going like, oh yeah, that Doug Evans and blah, 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 blah. And his Juicero and blah, blah, you know. And I was just like, you know what? Honestly, things happen, you know, I mean, it's life, shit happens, right? And we have to make the most of it. And yeah, some things don't work and sometimes businesses don't work, but it doesn't mean that the person is a horrible person. Doug's true heart is to see us fulfilled in health and wellness in a way that will actually minimize our imprint on the earth from taking from resources. Like here's a perfect example, all right? Eating sprouts. I go to farmer's market in Los Angeles, my favorite table is the sprout table. I go there, literally. My friends are like going around and they're getting all their stuff. I'm at the sprout table. The first place I go is to the sprout table and load up my bag of all these sprouts and eat it while I'm getting all my vegetables and stuff at the farmer's market and so forth. Why? Because 
The nutrients in sprouts is so dynamically necessary for the body because just think of it like this, right? And this is just, just this is just, you know, just listening into this way. The nutrients in the sprouting, the way that you get that nutrients, it's think of it in the sense of why is it so important to, the, to have, you know, sprouts in your body? Well, one, you have to understand that when you um, are getting like vegetables and so forth, there are different types of starches that are difficult for your body to break down. It will break it down, but again, you're still digesting all of that, right? The other thing too is recognizing that having sprouts be a part of your daily diet um, is a benefit for your heart. And your heart is so important. And not only that, but it, it helps you with your high blood pressure, our cholesterol levels, and one of the things that I love about it as well, too, is a high source of vitamin C. So, you know, people who want to um, have hair growth, it contains vitamin C, it promotes hair growth, it destroys free radicals in the body, it helps your hair that's been brittle to get healthier. It's, it, it helps with people, and I get a lot of people come in with alopecia, you know, it helps with that. So it's really, really good. And not only that, but your digestive system... The way the the fiber that you get keeps you regular, so your body's getting the nutrients that it needs. And a lot of people don't realize that you know you get more nutrients from the sprouts than waiting for the vegetable to actually become, because um, all of the nutrients inside of that is is available when you eat the sprouts. So you can truly, it's like it's like. Kind of think of it like they say, you get multiple, as Doug says, multiple nutrients versus a fully grown vegetable. So you can go and get, let's say, for instance, cucumber, right? Or let's say uh, peas, shoots, right? If you want to eat peas, but if you eat the sprouts from the peas, you're going to get the benefits of that and like double that in your body. And like one of my, my favorites are like peas, radish, sunflowers. I love uh, those types of sprouts. I love wheatgrass. Uh, that will always be one of my favorites. And, you know, another thing also too, and I just want to say, because a lot of times people are like, ill, I don't want to eat sprouts. It's like disgusting and yuck and whatever. Well, you know, I, I eat sprouts with, um, you know, my, the way I like to do it is I add like raw tahini or I had some hummus or some cashew cheese and put it in a spread on some dehydrated crackers or regular crackers if you choose. I put it, mix it in with my salad. I mix it in with all types of different things. I put it, I eat it during the day when I feel hungry. So that way, because what it does is sprouts are so good um, for your body because of the fiber and everything, it actually makes you feel full. So you eat only a little bit of sprouts and you feel full. Like I, and that's really great for weight loss. And that's really good for you to have all that energy without feeling you have to go through all this digestive processing. Because every time your body has to heat up those heaters to like, digest the food, it takes away from all the healing that can happen in other parts of your body. That's the reason why I like eating an OMAD diet because your body has more time to fix all the things that are going on in your body. And I'm not recommending that for everyone. And sometimes I alternate between OMAD and sometimes I alternate between, um, you know, uh, eating two times versus three times. But like some people just keep eating all day long and that's a lot of digestion. And that's a lot of bile and that's a lot of everything. 
And so your body then cannot focus on healing your veins or healing different parts of things that are tears inside your body or tissues that need to be rebuilt or your eyes, or perhaps you have like these floaters. Your body wants to heal this stuff. Your body wants to heal, right? And you're not healing when you're keeping your body constantly feeling like it has to put all of its energy into your digestive system. And also you're not even getting the nutrients because you're eating processed, packaged food. And so my thing is to educate, you know, you tribal leaders, because I need you sustainable. I need you on the planet to be the leaders that you are and bring the message of love and everything else that you bring forth and every part of who you are and why you are to this planet. But by keeping this biological spacesuit healthy and happy is a key factor in how we're going to be able to do that. Right. So I really love how, you know, Doug has really been educating the world on sprouts and he has that amazing new book out that you can get about sprouting, which I love and I have it at home. And, you know, you can do all types of wonderful things. And when you're, so like for Doug, like being in the desert and not having access again, like when he was in New York and now he's living in the desert and not having access to those things. And then he goes, oh, you know what? I can eat sprouts and get all the nutrients I could get from having the vegetables, which I don't have full access to to eating sprouts and getting all the nutrients. And not only that, and here's the really cool sustainable aspect that I love about sprouts, is that the biggest problem that I have with the health and wellness world is that they make everything super expensive. So like if you go to Whole Foods or if you go to Air One, you go to any of these places, you get like a little bit of food, you walk out with a bag and it's like 300, 400 bucks. I know because I go there and I'll throw some things in a basket and I come out and I'm spending 500 bucks. And I'm sorry, but not everyone has access to that kind of money, especially with COVID going on. And here's the other thing too. We don't know what is going to happen on planet Earth. What does that mean? That means that we, grocery stores and food places, may not be available because of all the different things that may be taking place on our planet. We have to be ready, available to learn how to be sustainable and maintainable during the transitions and changes that take place on the Earth. And especially if you're a person, like let's say for instance, and let's, I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm not saying like this is going to happen, but let's just say it did, okay? Let's say all of a sudden, we don't have a food source like a grocery store. What do you do? Um, are you going to panic? Are you going to go into fear? Because you see, we are so codependent and we are so entitled human beings that we actually think Whole Foods, Whole Foods or any of these grocery stores we go to or any of these marketplaces we go to are always going to have what we need and be there so we can supply our refrigerator and our children and our families with what we need. But what happens when we don't have those things? What happens when that grocery store shuts down because it can't keep um, going? And what happens when we don't have enough Whole Foods is, is gone? Or, and, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I'm just giving you what if so you can look at how sustainable are you really? Are you a really sustainable person? Or you are a codependent, reliable person on a system outside of you and you don't know how to survive. And what if you don't have access to food? How are you going to feed your children? How are you going to feed each other? And see, the great thing I love about sprouts is because it's just seeds and it grows within a week and less than a week. So I eat sprouts, I grow them, I eat and I keep, and I keep just making more and more just using the seeds. The seeds don't cost that much money. But if you go into a store to buy sprouts at a Whole Food, you're walking out and it's going to cost you a lot of money because they're, you're buying the sprouts. But if you buy the seeds and make them at home and just germinate, have all the, the, your, your germination stations in your home to make the, the seeds so that they sprout, 
um, you know, sprout your, uh, get your almonds sprouted as well. Take your almonds, soak them in water. I love doing that. It's the only way I love to eat almonds. Same with your cashews. Anything that's, that, um, that you want to eat, you want to make sure you sprout it. You want to have sprouted hummus. You don't want to just eat hummus. You want to eat sprouted hummus because these things are going to give you the nutrients that you need and it's going to be better for your body. But let's say, for instance, there's no food, but you have seeds because you bought bags and bags of seeds and you can even grow more and more of those sprouts and feed your family. And your family will have to eat so much food and survive on very little and you will live a very sustainable life. And for people who don't have money, especially impoverished communities, if we were to teach people in all these countries around the world who are impoverished and don't have food and hasn't have the money to buy food and teach them how to sprout, we are going to become more sustainable and we're gonna be able to survive because you don't have to wait for the whole vegetable to grow to get the nutrients that you need for your body to survive and maintain. You just need the sprout. And that's the reason why I love it so much. And that's why I love that Doug is heading this up and really bringing this to the forefront and telling you how to get into this. Because you're probably thinking like, why are we talking about this on Ancient Wisdom Today? Because you know why? Because Ancient Wisdom Today is about getting you leveled up for what is happening on our planet and what could happen. I'm not here to be the doomsday guy. I'm here to basically say, look, here's the deal. Who knows what they got going or down we are going to be ready tribe because we are the tribe that is lit and everyone's going to want to come into our tribe because why? Because we have been preparing ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically how to survive during difficult times. And so really important, you know, understanding that having those sprouts because the sprouts are really going to change the way in which you live your life. It's going to help you to, um, you know, if you're a person who wants to lose weight, it's going to reduce your weight uh, because it is amazing in that because you're getting high nutrients and you're getting um, low calories and your body is going to consume these sprouts without worrying about, you know, anything that it has to do because it can still work on other aspects of your body. And not only that, because of the high fiber source, it makes you feel full for a longer period of time where you don't want to overeat. So that's really good for weight loss and getting rid of that stomach fat, right? Because you want to be able to clear that out of your system so that your body can live healthier and you're not getting high levels of inflammation. And so really, you know, having sprouts and be a part of your life, I think is the key for us to be able to be more sustainable and to be able to have a backup plan, if we don't have food, we still will be able to survive. So every house should know how to sprout, really, across the world. So if, you're, if you get that and you understand that, you know, get Doug's book, learn about sprouting, get some sprouting. If you, don't, if you want to do it the old-fashioned way or you want to have the devices that do the sprouting for you, go ahead and do that. But get into sprouting because it really is going to teach us how to live in that way. And like, I just want to say it, it. I'm glad that they have all these amazing stores that they have that I didn't have in the 80s and 90s. But now is the time for us to really start forward thinking about what could come down the pipeline for human situations that we're dealing with. And are we ready, prepared to handle it with our family, with our friends and with everyone? If we have to open up our homes to let other people live in our homes, do we have enough um, to sustain them? But if we have sprouts, everyone will be sitting pretty. So 
I love you. And thank you, Doug. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others, your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit. <laughs>